Gentlemen, start your engine! Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotman. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical, uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotman. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Viewers, welcome to Radio Hot Lap episode 55. Didn't think we'd be getting around to doing one quite so soon, but we're on the go. It's the mobile show with Johnny and my special guest, Marcus Zekanovi. Hey, Marcus. Johnny boy, how are you, mate? Viewers, good to hear you. Hopefully, it's good for you guys to hear me again. <laughs> well, I think they liked the show last week where we got you on the phone. It was a bit, bit not as clear. But uh, yeah, viewers, we've just uh, Sunday night on the way back from Winton, and we're all feeling pretty good because uh, the big Z-Man has uh, come home fourth outright in the uh, third round of the Fujitsu V8 Supercar Championship in his uh, ex uh, Garth Tanner Toll HSV uh, Commodore. Mate, give us the rundown. Well, what a weekend. Now that you mention uh, Garth Tander, well, it's a good win for those boys too, you know, Toll HSV. They built my car and very excited to have it. It's a phenomenal car and we've just had a great weekend, really. It's been, uh, I do have to admit, it's had some ups and it's had some downs. Like, to, go, to roll up for the weekend, let me just break it down for you slowly, viewers. It was... Uh, we rolled up on the Thursday, luckily to make the team managers meeting, which was uh, rather inter- interesting. We made it, didn't get fined or anything, so we've had a few little infrastructure problems through the team and stuff, but we're slowly ironing them out. So we made it here Thursday just to get the car scrutineered first thing Friday morning, which should have been done Thursday, but anyway. And what happened there? You didn't get your tyres marked properly and you got in trouble again. You got your wrist slapped. And that can be really traced back to the fact that it's all your dad's fault because he <laughs> boiled the little Hino the night before and uh, couldn't get up the little hot Kimi Highway quite so easily. Yeah, look, we had a bit of a bit of a mishap with the uh, the new transporter that we've just recently finished through our panel shop and um, managed to hurt an engine in it, and that's what took the the poor old girl and, and the truck and the crew and dad and everyone to get up to Witten. So long, it just was a bit of a bit of a nightmare trying to get the truck going. So once we all arrived, we uh, silly mistake again by the by myself and the boys. We forgot to get the uh, tyres marked for practice this time, and uh, I never made it out for practice two. Practice one was fine because we, it was a wet weather session and wet weather tyres don't need marking, so it was all good. Uh, the car was reasonably fast in then uh, practice one in the rain, which. I think you saw the timesheet there, Johnny. It was sitting ninth and um, very happy, considering I didn't have any sort of engineering help this weekend or, or, or data analysis help. I was actually trying to do three jobs all at once and sort of probably obviously could have gone a lot better, but um, no, we sort of worked it quite well. And a few of the calls I made for setup for the rain weren't the best, so I went and consulted the powers to be, being told HSV. And they steered me in the right direction, and uh, we went a bit quicker. But um, come around to qualifying, there was a bit of a mishap on there, Johnny. I think uh, had a slight little electrical gremlin that popped in and paid us a visit. Oh, wait, it was a mishap because uh, um, uh, Uncle Vince actually dragged me up for a, uh, a team uh, a catering meeting <laughs> at uh, the, the public area, and we had to have a, uh, a bourbon coke at 10.30, and I don't even drink bourbon. Well, maybe that's another point that we have to uh, fix in the team infrastructure. Maybe uh, save the alcohol till after lunchtime at least. <laughs> yeah, well, as I say, somewhere in the world, it's a bit of a rare occurrence doing that. But it was, uh, we're looking at your face there um, uh, as qualifying, watching there that you didn't actually turn up in qualifying at all and walking back and seeing you come the other way. I swore it was like an eclipse all over again. Oh, look, it was... To experience such a low, like, after missing practice too for the tyre debacle, we, uh, I was really looking forward to actually getting a dry session in the car, in qualifying on some brand new tyres, to actually get a feel for it and see how it was going to perform for the weekend. 
And when I got to the end of pit lane there and had to turn the car off and it didn't start again, for, for whatever reason, the boys sort of got it rectified after the session. But to miss the whole of qualifying, I can tell you, Johnny, I was not happy at all. Just with the fact that, you know, so much pressure and so much time and effort goes into it that it just all built up and I just had to get out of pit lane. Last thing I wanted to do was sort of face thousand questions from all the fellow teams and drivers and stuff. Oh, what happened? So anyway, we uh, managed to rectify the problem. The boys got it running again and uh, I got a special dispensation to start rear of field in race one, which is uh, it's kind of nice to the stewards and the officials to let me do that just to get some track time. Just looking at the rule book there on that issue is um, just for the viewers. Uh, if you don't qualify, um, you, you realistically that's you're out of the event because you know you can't have any old plonker going out there and just setting a low time. So there's a cutoff with a hundred and seven percent rule, or that I think they have that in Formula One. I don't know quite what it is in, in supercars, but basically you have to be within that percentage range of the top top qualifier. However, there is a you know there's a, a special dispensation that you can plead. Hey, look, you know I've got a plonker and commercial reality, the commercial reality of not fronting, um, they can yeah, offer you the opportunity to start career at the grid. And in this case, Opus Prime, the new uh, stockbroking company on board, it would have been um, pretty poor. So that was uh, if you were unable to start. So that's really lucky that you did. Yeah, well, um, obviously having that was that was one of the actual bargaining sort of pleas to. Uh, one of the things that we actually brought forward to the stewards is to say, look, we've since just joined forces with a new commercial partner, obviously being Opus Prime stockbroking firm. Um, we had to give them the exposure that they deserved. And uh, really, I just, as a major reason, I really just needed some track time. Like, I've had some issues in the past with, a, with very minimal ties in the tie bank, which has restricted my testing. So I really just needed to utilise the track time, even if it wasn't for, you know, for, for points or for anything. I just really, for, for, for self-satisfaction, to get out and actually do some time in the car and get comfortable with it. So as it turned out, I think you took some photos of me way down the back sitting on grid 35 there, didn't you, John? No, mate, I didn't. I couldn't walk that far down. <laughs> in fact, I'd already got myself in trouble the very first day. Uh, in, 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 in the very first practice session for being in pit lane like with my media pass and my pit lane pass on for taking photos of your car and uh, man, I don't know maybe I'm, I'm, I'm out of touch but uh, one of the supercar officials come out and said mate you can't do shots in pit lane and I went what do you mean? He goes we can't do shots in pit lane well you know, I've done shots in pit lane before but maybe the rules have changed all about commercial rights and things like that I think just V8 supercar they're uh they obviously sort of have their photographers and they have their, their media people, so I, I don't know, rather touchy, but it was good to see you pushing the boundaries of those grey areas there, John. I, I, um, another boy came up to me a little later and said, look, mate, you can't do shots in pit lane unless you're taking shots of your own car. And I went, well, I am. And I am <laughs> the designated media representative for the team and you'll find my paperwork and here's my hard card. And he goes, oh, righto, but uh, I think you really need to get clearance from uh, the media manager, which would be Cole Hitchcock. And uh, I went, yeah, okay, I can understand that, gave a pat on the back. And I said, but, mate, I did take one other shot, but um, maybe I shouldn't have taken it because it wasn't a shot of the car. And he goes, oh, yeah, what's that? I said, I had a really good bacon sandwich this morning. I wanted to archive that. Johnny, heck, how can you go ahead and break those sorts of rules by taking photos Egg and bacon sandwich. Oh no, there was no egg. Oh no, egg. Just oh. Mr. Crispy. Just a <laughs> crispy bacon. Was it good though? Was oh, it worth the photo? Yeah, it was because you know, like you say, <laughs> you know, your dad told me to get some photos, and I knew what I had to do, but I know he wanted to tell me anyway. But uh, no, mate, I didn't go down there to the back of the grid. Um, if it had been vice versa, you been down there, Johnny? I wouldn't have come down there either. Ah, uh, there you go. If I go walking that far. So, <laughs> I, I had to, let me just tell you one thing, viewers, when you're that far down the back, it is near impossible to see the starting lights. I actually had to move over, after the complete the warm-up, like, I literally had to move the car two foot to the left, out of my grid spot, which I hope there's no officials listening, but 
to see the starting lines because you're that far down the back you just can't see. And I had to move the car out of the way so I could see John. It was rather interesting to say the least. Mate, uh, you might have started at the back of the grid, but the result in that race was uh, absolutely sensational. Um, and as sensational as your first race at Clipsal, where you started 20th and was 10th by the end of the first lap, that probably uh, equally as interesting. Yeah, well, one of the things that I obviously like to try and, and obviously pride myself on is the fact that I can get through traffic reasonably well. Uh, through, you know, just by the years of ute racing and things like that, my go-karting days before that, there was a lot of reverse grid stuff in karting and a lot of reverse grid stuff, obviously, in the VAU Championship. So that has given me a lot of experience to try and read the traffic really well. And um, starting 35th on the grid was fantastic to have a ninth place result from that far back. And to do it in 14 laps, I was really, really pleased with the way the car went and the way the race went on. And I think all the boys were too. That sort of gave us another lease of life on the weekend, obviously, after the, the dismal sort of practice tour and qualifying we did have. Well, um, as uh, Vince and I and, uh, and, and your sister were standing up at the top of uh, the, the public area at the exit of turn two, you were 22nd, and I said, uh, well, whenever you get a 10, anyway, um, the... Uh, they said, there's absolutely no way. And I said, well, look, if you, if, you, if you get a 10, they said, well, we'll wash the dishes. And there were a fair few dishes because we'll get onto those calibrated lights later. Well, mate, can you believe it? You were 14th when there was a safety car. And uh, as a result of Chris Alajaja actually going on his side on the final corner, um, I don't know how we managed to do that. It was a I come round to see this yellow v, VZ Commodore on its side, and I'm thinking to myself, how does that happen? But when I saw the car, I worked out why, because I hit the same oil slick that those boys hit, and it just happened to put my chance that Chris was sort of sliding sideways into the kitty litter, which is not a good thing. But sometimes when you hit oil, you're just a passenger, and that was the unfortunate result for Chris, was that... Uh, he ended up on his side, so I hope him and his car was all okay, which I think it was, because I think he was out there for race race two this morning, so it was good to see. But, um, but yeah, look, all, all that played in favour towards my end result, and a lot of it is, is luck, as you know yourself, John, following motorsport, you know, following Al and Jack around the place, you know what it's like to have a bit of later luck on your side, it always helps for the final end result. I think we got a little bit of that yesterday in race one, and... Hey, I'll take it. So I, finish. I think it was definitely one of the one of the, the races that I will remember um, uh, right up there as anything uh, anything as interesting. And, and there you were on the restart, fourteenth in, in the first race. Um, and I thought, well, whoever the guy who's in eleventh was uh, Shannon O'Brien, and, and sometimes uh, he's got a bit of speed, but he often doesn't have a very level head. And I thought he's going to break his neck to get to tenth. Well. And, and, and he'll have a, like a, he'll, he'll come off. Well, maybe he did come off that turn two in a big way, it was all right in front of us, but it wasn't his fault. But as a result of that, you moved up the 10 to uh, finish that race in 10th, not 9th, which then would have put you on pole position. position. But we also learned from that that there was a, you didn't know that, okay, the grid would be set up in the following morning, but if someone between 1 and, and 9, inclusive, was excluded that you would actually move up a position, and that was what happened. Um, I think McNally, uh, uh, Mark McNally in car seventy four, who happens to have a um, one of the sister Walkershaw cars to myself, so it's a bit of bad luck for him. And I think it was a slight error on behalf of himself and maybe the team as well, where he was asked to go to the scales and actually drove to the shed first, which is actually a no no. So. That was the reason for his exclusion, and um, hence me moving up a spot on the grid and moving from pole to second on, uh, on uh, yeah, on race race two. So, you know, that's a, just a, for an aside. There, we'll go back onto your race performance. But um, at the end of the uh, the third supercar main game supercar race uh, today, which was um, which was won by Tanda and followed by. Um, uh, by Jamie Wincup and Rick Kelly third with Jamie Wincup winning uh, the overall um, weekend. Um, and I think that's the, the first time he's won a, won a weekend 
outlawed on his own since Clipsal last year. Um, however, with the, his, his partner in crime, Craig Lowndes, they took out the, the Bathurst Classic. Um, he, uh, there's a little, uh, little pit road there just at the end of pit lane that comes back around to the infield there. Um, and Lowndes is just sort of shot down there. And he got down the end of that and it could have ended up sort of at the back of our dummy grid. Like, and he's come straight off the track and then he did a Yui. And like, because there's people everywhere and he's just about trying to almost blow it down to get out of there. And then went to Park for May. And I wonder, because the cars were still in Park for May, whether they might be in a bit of trouble for that because what was he doing down there? And you think, you know, he's way around Whitley. What was he doing down there? Honestly, well, I, I didn't actually see the incident, but if uh, something along those lines actually happened, I'm, I'm pretty sure, obviously, like you said, with Craig's knowledge and, and ability and, and uh, know-how of Winton and, and how the ruling of Avesco works, I'm pretty sure that uh, they'll come down quite hard on him for, for, for not going to Park Fermi, which is a big no-no if you don't go straight there. So, good thing to resolved already. Mate, uh, so that sets you up then for, for a front row uh, start with Robert Jones alongside and uh, Luke Gilden directly behind. Tell us uh, through that reverse grid race. Well, being reverse grid, it was actually it was a great experience and, and obviously a big learning curve for me to start on front row in, in the Fujitsu series. I mean, I've had my fair share of front row starts in the Commodore Cup and, and V8 Utes, but nothing this sort of professional or... Uh, or, or sort of, you know, upper level. But, um, oh, look, it was it made it a lot trickier because it was raining. Uh, we had the wets on, and uh, it was actually quite funny. I was sitting there and got the call over the radio that the green flag was signalling that the grid was complete at the back of the field there, and five-second hands came out, and then the red lights came on, and as soon as the red lights went out, we all went. But it was actually all you heard it was this great anti-climax for a start. All this high revving and cars going nowhere because it was it was so wet and none of us could get any traction. But um, as it turned out, I kind of got the jump on Robert Jones and uh, sort of made my way down to turn one and had Luke Yulden had a, a slightly better start than what I did and he came up beside me. But then out of nowhere, Robbie Jones decided that he was going to hit the brake marker a little bit late and locked up and speared into me, who I then in turn ran into Gildan and pushed him off the track, so it was rather interesting sort of a turn one incident for, for race two. You uh, let Robbie Jones then, uh, you let him get, a, get ahead, he seemed to have a little bit more pace there by the time you come into the third and fourth corner, so it was probably just better to like, settle there and let that, uh, let that go. You want to get that call? Yes. Yeah, look here, we're, 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 we're travelling, we don't edit. Excuse me, viewers. Hang on a sec. Oh, well, uh, sorry for that, viewers. I just had to take that quick random phone call. I do sincerely apologise. But uh, where were we, Johnny? We were talking Wait, about... So uh, we were talking about you uh, just letting Rob Jones get, a, get ahead of you just there, probably just to get your own pace sort of right before you went on the attack. Oh, that's right. Well, um, well after sort of Robbie rubbed me up a little bit and sort of forced me wide, I kind of lost a little bit of the rhythm that I was trying to get into and... Um, yeah, he sort of snuck through on the first sort of turn three and four there, but um, once I regained composure, I was regained composure, got back on the track and um, got rolling again. I managed to sort of catch up with uh, with Robbie probably one or two laps in and um, sort of have his measure quite early. And actually, he was good enough to sort of not challenge me too hard for it. And I uh, managed to pass him and then was sort of out after Blue Gilbert, who managed to get in front after the turn one incident, even though he went off the track, which was quite surprising how the officials didn't manage to see him cut a corner and jump both Robbie and I for the, for the lead. So, But anyway, it's another matter. So, yes, yeah, so I was out after Luke, and um, he had some quite good pace early in the race to pull, a, to pull the gap on me, and I just sort of was quite content just trying to find a nice steady rhythm, rhythm with the car and be quite comfortable, but... Um, yeah, it was, it was good. It was quite testy. Very, very slippery. Mate, it was slippery. And, uh, yeah, Gildan was out uh, about a little over five and a half, five and a half, almost six seconds away from you. Um, you were you there in second place. Three seconds behind you was uh, Wills Delberto. And uh, the pair of you were pretty much swapping tenths. So he was on the chase. 
and uh, and you are you are whole station. And I suppose the, the the good thing to take away from this is that you know your pace is as good as the leaders, and, and really that's that's the important thing because you know if you're only out there for a little bit and you know what's the point of starting in front? You're just going to drop back. So uh, I suppose you know that that's that's something you really take away. Yeah, well, I mean, this category, obviously, being so close, being so competitive, and uh, obviously with some of the other guys like Tony Delberto and Kane Scott and Mark McNally all having Walkinshaw cars, it's all, it's all, uh, it's it's very close, you know. The cars are very similar, and they display, you know, very similar characteristics, and, and to sort of go... You know, blow for blow with Tony, who's actually the championship contender at the moment, is actually you know quite good. It's 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 very very much how can I say a confidence boost. You know, like to to be in the car and to, and to go that you know same lap times as these fast guys. It's really helping my progression in in in, in my goals and what I'm trying to achieve. You know, which is obviously trying to get really fast in the category and hopefully win a championship in the near future. But but yeah, like I said, to, to go head to head with with Tony and, and obviously Andrew Thompson and a few of the other guys, it, it's really good and it's really good confidence boost, which will give me a lot of a lot of confidence and get me quite primed for the next round, which is Queensland Raceway coming up. So you finished second in that, which set you up on grid position four for the final. Mate, um, you wouldn't, wouldn't say you got the greatest of starts, and I suppose you got fifth as you came out of turn two, but uh, you clawed your way back to, to fourth there, and really it was just a solid drive there again, um, challenging um, the Kane Scott, the New Zealand V8 uh, champion, who uh, was a very uh, good man of driver on the track, and you know that when you're talking about the Walkinshaw cars, he's driving Scape's car from last year. You're driving Candace's car from last year. So we only have to turn out our minds back to just seeing how competitive those cars were. And I think uh, Scapey was quietly uh, looking out the window with his transporter thinking, mate, I think I wouldn't mind having that car back because he's, he had a shock at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure what transpired for the whole weekend, but I did see... Mark sort of struggling with a few little bits and pieces, but uh, but no, look, race three for me, I kind of, going into race three with sort of the minimal miles that I've done in these cars, it was kind of, uh, well, in one way it's kind of daunting, you know, you just sort of, I'm sort of sitting there thinking, you know, am I going to make the distance, am I going to be as quick as these guys at the end? I mean, all these are factors that you need to sort of sort of account for when you're, when you're doing a, a slightly longer race, being race three, being 25 laps, you know. So sitting there on the green, and like you said, I didn't get the best of starts, Johnny, where um, young Andrew Thompson got a, an absolute blinding start. He managed to jump me off the line, which sort of in a way was probably good, which means I didn't have to race him and, and actually get in his way and hold him up because he did have a little bit more pace than what I did. But um, I sort of was very happy with how it you know, sort of panned out. Got a reasonable start, stayed with Kane and, and, and Tony and Luke there, so it was, it was good to hang on to the pack, but it also it was good too to deal with the pressure that I dealt with, with um, the attack from Matthew White, Damien White and Michael Caruso. So, I mean, they're three sort of reasonably hard charges in themselves. So, sort of get a good start and, and pace myself well behind uh, behind Kane was, it was really good, you know. It was quite a confident drive and, and uh, to have speed, it actually panned out really good. Felt really comfortable in the car. The car was doing everything I wanted it to. So, I'm really looking forward to uh, hopefully getting an engineer in the near future that can further my progress in driving. So if you know any engineers out there, viewers, or if you think you've got what it takes, well, we want to hear from you, don't we? We do indeed. Get in touch on the uh, Radio Hot Lap website. And, uh, or marcusacanabic.com.au Or fire me an email, viewers. I'm more than happy to hear from you guys. Get some feedback from you guys out there. But uh, if there is any uh, potential engineers out there listening, hey, fire me an email and... Maybe we, who knows? I might cook dinner. <laughs> so, you know, the race started pretty late this afternoon, half past four, and 25 laps at around about one minute 25 uh, per lap, you, you know, give or take a bit. Um, 
it, it, it took a while to get through it. It was getting pretty low on light. And that car of yours, mate, it's certainly like on a trailing throttle. It dumps a bit of fuel in the exhaust. Did you see any flashes in your mirror of the thing? I did, actually. It's funny you mentioned that, James. A few times there I was uh, driving along and obviously get on the brakes. And just as I turned, you know, mainly the left-handers, because I see the exhaust shooting out the left, is this great big wafting flame that we could have singed a few marshmallows on with a nice hot chocolate there, John. It was rather uh, exciting to see. Mate, they would have been really good shots if, I'd, if Dirk had bothered to get off his chair um, in the media centre and go and shoot some of them. So uh, I think we might have to have a little bit of a uh, refresh the uh, requirements there. And I thought that was a, a good opportunity to do that. Mate, the other thing I was going to ask you was, you know, like you're driving around there, you know, and, 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 and do you ever sort of go, hello, hang on a minute, I'm a supercar driver. <laughs> well, well, it's actually, I mean, it is almost surreal. Like, I, I know I am driving a V8 and I've got a really good car underneath me, but sometimes it, it's just funny how at the most obscure times that thought actually does pop into my head. Like, I'll be in the heat of battle following Kane Scott, for example, in, in race three, like, like tonight, and uh, just to hear a good gear change on the upshift when you're using the shift cut, you're, you're right on the maximum limit of 7,500 RPM, and all of a sudden you hear that great big crack as you grab the next gear, you just think to yourself, I'm driving a supercar. You know, it's just... That idea comes, it does come to me for some strange reason, I think, because I stand there watching the level one boys, you know, I watch Garth and, and Frosty go around, around the track and you hear their cars really crack on the rev limit when they use a shift cut to change gears, so it's kind of like a trademark supercar sound, that and the flames, it's probably, they're the two most highlighted, you know, features of V8 supercars. When you're driving one and you hear that crack, it really does send you that idea that, hey, I'm one step from the big time and I'm actually driving a V8 supercar and it really is kind of special. I think there are a few people uh, down pit lane in the main game that uh, were having their eyes on what was going on there today. I'm sure you've impressed a few people. Um, it was a bit of a pity, uh, in fact, it was a, a great pity to see that there was um, one of the main game drivers, Lee Holsworth, was um, uh, hurt a little bit, I think, you know, probably pretty stiff from a, um, a, a very heavy backwards in on turn four there. The, uh, the Valvoline car looked very, very ordinary. Now, I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen a, a, as big a hit in the back like that for a while, so let's hope he's all right. But, you know, going in hard like that, you'd have to have some back pain. And I think that was reflected by the speed of the ambulance around the track and, and him wearing a neck brace. Yeah, well, um, I didn't actually see the incident, but uh, I saw, like you said, the uh, aftermath and saw the wreckage. And, yeah, from what I could tell, it was a, a very, very heavy crash. And, and uh, being a good friend of Lee's, I mean, Lee and I did some Commodore Cup stuff together, raced one another quite competitive, competitively there. You know, I hope he's all right, and I send my regards out to him and his family. hope it's all good. hope he gets better and gets well soon and see him back on the track again. But, uh, yeah, it's just that's one of the, the things that we try not to think about as drivers is the consequences of some of the things that can happen, John. I mean, just look, I mean, Paul Lee sort of went in and cars trashed him some severe back pain in a neck brace. I think I saw him in a car driving through the pits after the development race. Yeah, he didn't look too flash. This is uh, the first wet race I think we've had for a long, long time. And I suppose you've got to, you know, the country really, re really likes it <laughs> because it's green out here. And I haven't seen the country look like this. And, you know, it's just off and on for a fair few days now. So that, that, that's good for good for mankind. Maybe it won't be on your, on your big water restrictions down here, down here in Melbourne too much longer. But uh, it was also, it was interesting to see the return of the pace of the Triple Eight cars because I think they've been off it all year. And it's um, at the same time where um, the, the Double Eight car has won, uh, they've announced that Alan Simonson and uh, Richard Lyons will be back together to uh, pair up in the Double Eight car for Bathurst and Sandown Enduros. I mean, I was going to ask you, is 
Isn't there a rule this year that you can't pair the two drivers from other cars together? Weren't they saying that the Lounge and Wincup can't pair up? Well, I'm not a hundred percent on it, but that was also the the talk around the paddock that I heard was that was that they were for the for basically for the championship and for you know for for the for the spectators and stuff. That was one of the rules that they were going to try and sort of enforce was to not have two leading drivers together, which would make sort of a in a way it'd probably give. The, uh, the endurance drivers that are employed by the teams an actual chance to compare themselves to the lead driver and actually really learn a lot about it. But um, no, I think it'd be quite interesting if they brought if they if they enforce that rule. I mean, if you in hindsight, if you look at last year's sort of endurance pairings, the likes of Scafi and Tanda together, I mean, a lightning fast combination. But you know, just due to bad luck, probably. You may have seen a different result for the end of the championship last year because Garth was showing some very good speed and uh, sort of, I mean, as the saying goes, John, would have, should have, could have racing, but who knows, I think it might be good to sort of see, you know, the two two endurance drivers paired up with the lead drivers and that actually might be really good for, for Al there to maybe, who knows, be paired up with Craig. He can learn some valuable stuff and maybe improve and even enhance his driving. Well, that's uh, that's absolutely right. Um, uh, Jamie Wincup and Alex Thompson have already paired up together with that uh, Gary Rogers Motorsport a few years back. Oh, so they, uh, they they certainly they know each other's pace there. Um, obviously, that Alan, call that Alan doesn't have as much time in those those cars. But yeah, to get him up there with with, with, with CL, that would be good for his profile because I felt last year that it was very much the um, you know the the Jamie and Craig show and. and Back to the matter that the, the other two, Richard and Alan, managed to run as high as fourth place, um, and they got virtually no press about it. They only came twelfth because an errant plastic bag got stuck in the uh, in the front of the car, and the temperatures went silly, so they had to pit um, out of sequence to which dropped them down in the order. So maybe just a little bit more, um, a little bit more um, balanced marketing than are would be good, and he's certainly getting some great press. Oh, definitely. I mean, Al's a very credited driver, and uh, so is Richard. But um, I haven't sort of seen a lot of Richard stuff due to obviously he's, he's racing the Japan, Japanese GT series. Yeah, he's, isn't he? he's yeah. racing Japanese GT. We don't yeah, obviously being here in Australia, you don't get a lot of that on TV, so you don't see tend to hear a lot. But obviously, Al being part did of you know one GP as well for Ireland. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Okay. Well. uh... Well, I mean, anyway, being sort of Al being part of the Hot Lap Talent Development Program, it's uh, you know, we tend to get a good update on what Al's progress is. But um, yeah, look, I'd, I'd like to see him do well again at, at, at uh, Bathurst. I think, I mean, Triple Eight have got some good machinery, and um, I think given the chance, maybe if you know Al gets paired with either Jamie or or Craig, it'd be uh, it'd be good to see. I think it could be. Could be a quiet achiever, sort of just sneaking under the radar. There's nothing quiet about Al. No. When it's a party, it's a big one. Just going back to to Mark Scaife, how can can that team suddenly be so behind the eight ball? I mean, Todd's not too bad. He was up there, but it was pretty ordinary. But Scaife just said, I don't think I've ever had more incidents in a race in my life. He was honestly falling off the road all the time. Well, it was just those conditions this weekend were just treacherous. They were very trying, very demanding. I mean, I I got to experience it firsthand myself. So, look, I mean, but look at the guys that were they just barely put a foot wrong. You were just honestly from the outside looking in, I would be saying, "There's just something screwed with their setup. They just didn't have a handle on the car. Has never really seemed to be good all year. They just don't have the right feed either." But if Aren't the Toll HSV guys getting the same sort of... It's pretty much out of the Clayton operation, isn't it? Well, different engineers. Yeah, it's it, as much as it is sort of both teams based at the same sort of piece of real estate Clayton, they are very much two different teams. They do do things slightly different. 
you know, obviously having four completely different drivers, they all like their different driving styles. So obviously, Garth and Rick work quite well together, and I think Todd and Mark work quite well together. But I just think this weekend, I mean, look, not making excuses, but you can occasionally have a bad weekend where things just don't go right. As obviously I found out at Adelaide, things just didn't go right for me. And but Scaife's got a fair few things on his mind, so you're going to have to give him a bit of slack on that. Uh, because, I mean, it's a lot of burden. Um, you know, firstly, like, he's very hard on himself, as, as some recent interviews have, have shown off in, in the paper, and we've always known that his skills are unquestionable. But we've seen so many times, you know, just the pressure of business and, and, and having to perform, and it's, it's tough. It takes a toll. It does take a toll. I mean, he needs a holiday. <laughs> He needs a weekend away from the racetrack. No, look, you know, Mark being obviously the uh, the head boss of HRT there, plus the sort of head driver, well, it is, I mean, I, I honestly can't comment because, I mean, I've never been in that predicament. Well, well look, I, I'm sure things will turn around. I mean, they're not a, they're not a team that's just going to lay over on one bad result. You know, they'll... I think they'll be more determined than ever to go back to the shop now and really knuckle down, do some, you know, do some data analysis and, and sort of weekend analysis and really try and straighten things out for uh, Eastern Creek, which is the next round. So I think you might see Mark sort of higher up the table this time at Eastern Creek. It was good that the team this time uh, had a, uh, the, the use of a really good lodge. Um, out at Markswood, Shepherd's View, for a great big ski lodge, their big rambling place. We gave them a bit of love, they gave us a bit of love back. But I think importantly, it's like all the team got together in the evenings, and, and I'm happy to uh, happy to have obliged uh, with the uh, help from um, from uh, Uncle Vince and your sister Nikki to, to to help do the food. And you know, I like cooking. I think everybody enjoyed it, but it gave everyone a time to have a real chat about things rather than going to restaurants and, and pubs and you know, where's my meal? And, just a different way of doing things. I think there's got to be more of that. Definitely. I mean, that was fantastic meals you uh, you managed to whip up there, John. Not only are you good on the old uh, keyboard there, but not bad on the old barbecue slash stove. It was rather, it was rather impressive there, John. It's uh, another creative part coming out of you. And, uh, I think we might just have to employ you full time as... Uh, the creative. Look, we're getting a pay rise from nothing, <laughs> viewers. <laughs> yeah, no, look, it was, you know, Shepherd's View Lodge there. It was, it was great for the for the owners there to actually, you know, look after us with the accommodation. It was, it's a magnificent place. If any of you viewers get the chance to sort of have a holiday up in the, the you know, the, the high country of, of Victoria, you know, to wake up at sort of 6.30 in the morning at daybreak, see the, the mist and the hills and the mountains in the, in the distance, oh, it's a great view, you know, you just really sit there and reflect them. Think yourself, this is great, you know. You wouldn't be anywhere else in the world knowing that you're going, you're looking at this beautiful view and you've you've had a cracking meal prepared by John Hart and and and, and, team. and Uncle Vincent and Sister Nicole. It's uh, it really was actually like you said, a great change from pubs and uh, a great change from you know having to wait for your meals. And, being right in the wine district, it was actually uh, pretty interesting because uh, uh, Nikki and I stopped in at Brown Brothers and uh, we only had a couple of little tastings because, believe it or not, they had 42 different wines to taste if you included the four stickies and, and, um, and ports. And <laughs> even if you're having like 10 mil of it, like, you'd be a mess by the time you get back. So, uh, But it was nice, a bit of wine country uh, and there at... Uh, Milawa, I don't know how you say that. Yeah, that's well, I presume that's how you pronounce it, Milawa. But uh, yeah, no, it was a rather nice fine selection of wine. You actually managed to bring back there, John. It was um, doing more little bits of help the glut, you know. And it was great, you know. Just it was different, and I think just the, the whole team atmosphere. We, you know, we had a tough time through. Uh, I was just through practice of qualifying and. You know, it takes its toll on everybody, you know, bad results and, and things like that really does take its toll. But just to sit down and enjoy an awesome meal and a great bottle of wine and, and actually try and lift morale in the team, you know, and as it showed, it actually works because 
the team really knuckled down and, you know, like I said, after a few bad incidents, they really put their heads down and got some results. And that just showed today with the fourth outright, which, you know, big thanks has got to go out firstly to Dad, who's, uh, who's worked his, you know, his heart out to try and get this car, you know, get it there, get it running and get the team rolling and, and Luke and Roscoe and Craig and all the behind-the-scenes stuff at the workshop and, uh, you know, just all the guys that come along to help, the young TAFE boys. It really is a big effort, especially at this level, such a professional level. And Hey, I think there's only bigger things to come, don't you think, John? Mate, I do, absolutely. And, uh, and like, like you said, once you get you know, the right engineer, you have been having Phil Curtis from, um, from BJR yeah. uh, helping you um, at the last event, but obviously when he has a main game commitment that, uh, sure, he's going to put his head in the door and have a bit of a look, but he just doesn't have time to do data analysis as you really need now to move to the next step. But um, obviously the results are very encouraging. It's also good to see that, you know, that uh, we get in those TAFE boys that are doing a study motorsport at the only place in Australia you can study motorsport at the, at the Wodonga Institute Wodonga TAFE, that's right. And um, I think uh, recently there was one of the graduates that just had made, got, a, that got a job in there at HRT, so it just shows that it's a full circle. Um, yes, and, and it's uh, good to see, you know... It being recognised as, as an industry. Oh, definitely. I mean, these... You know, it's good to see even these big teams giving, you know, giving these young kids a go, and that's what they need. I mean, there's plenty of young kids out there with talent, you know, not only in the driving side, but talent in the mechanical engineering side, you know, and these are the kids of tomorrow, and I, I do believe that, you know, we need to look to these kids to, to try and educate them and, and get them up there, because like I said, they're, they're going to be working on the cars in the future, and it's good to see these big teams give it a run. Just moving back into the kitchen, viewers, I'll just give you a little bit of a rundown about so if you'd like to take some of these recipes, just, you know, just, just follow these simple tips and always try and buy organic meat. So we went into town, into, into um, Central Town. Uh, one next Vanilla. Vanilla. Vanilla, yeah. Yep, and went and saw uh, Roger, the butcher. Roger. And uh, Roger got us a couple of cracking. Um, grain-fed, organic, uh, legs of lamb, about two and a half kilos each. Now, you might go, how long do you do that? Well, here's the rule, viewers. It's 20 minutes per pound. So kilos, 2.2 pounds. That's 4.4, and about 5, five uh, kilos. So that's 5.20, 100 minutes, plus 20 for the pot. So two hours, viewers. Turn the oven on, mega hot. And, and I did them in the bag, the glad bag. Like, well, chuck everything you possibly want in there and then seal it, and it's just an absolute merlin. Excel. Excel them excellent. Got the peas and got the big potatoes, sliced them up, scallops, got a couple of different um, McCormick's mixes and the cream, and ah, just silence all around, and the red went down at the following night. Organic chickens stuffed with about 40 cloves of car cloves of garlic in each, um, some thyme, and uh, some majorum, and uh, you're hungry, I can see that. Oh, well, I'll tell you about that. I'm going to the drawer. <laughs> and a couple of pork loins. Oh, they were, they were pretty good too, but oh. hard to eat, you know, all of it. Well, probably a little bit too much then. Well, it was perfect because uh, you managed to uh, cook just enough to top us all up at lunchtime today. <laughs> and that's right. Roast chicken and pork all round, viewers, as the lights of Melbourne gently glisten in the distance. We're heading to the famous Sunshine uh -huh. Chinese for a round table rendezvous. And mate, there's one thing I always say about a Chinese meal on a Sunday night. You know what that is? What's that? No one sits at the head of a Chinese round table, including your dad. <laughs> no. Yes, he's dumb. Wow. I think we'll have to look at us. Knights at the Round Table, John. Oh, that's right. Knights at the Round Table. Yeah. Well, viewers, it's been good talking. We've a little wedgie episode in. Mate, so is there anything else you want to say? Have you bought any new technology lately? You know, we haven't got a new technology in here. We've got a new phone. you got a gadget. I noticed you were talking to, to, to Jose Fernandez. You were doing, the, the, just trying to G and him up for another plasma screen from Fujitsu. And of course, I went with my foot and said, of an LCD. And he goes, you idiot. Like it's plasma vision. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, um, yeah, we're sort of just trying to hit up me, me mate old Jose there about... Uh, 
about trying to supply my new shack, which I don't know if I've told you about, Johnny. I'm, uh, it's on the way to get done. It's on the way of getting, uh, yeah, getting finished off a, a new sort of three-bedroom unit in uh, the suburb of Essendon in Melbourne. So I'm uh, sort of hitting up old mate Jose there, see if he can uh, deck out my living room with a nice 55-inch uh, High definition plasma. But I like the way you said, how big do you want? You know, you know you want when you ask that, you go, you know I want the, big the biggest. It's all about the biggest one, isn't it, Johnny? <laughs> there's there's Fujitsu is everywhere over this sport, like they're running the, the Fujitsu series. They've got uh, Fernandez and uh, what's his name? Rollins. Gene Rollinson, which is, uh, it's actually, to be honest, it's a name that I'm not familiar with. And he's New Zealander, even, and he's in with Prodigy Motorsport out of, uh, out of, um, Newcastle, the new business of Ross Cadell put together and it's um, taken on one of the, uh, the engineers, ex WPS engineers, that also looks after the engineering behind A1GP. Oh, really? Well, I've sort of heard of Prodigy and obviously raced against the guys. And, you know, Gene Rollins, it's a new name to me. I mean, I haven't actually heard what he's done previously. But, uh, Seems like he had some pace. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's done something of of some importance in New Zealand because, I mean, these cars to hop in and drive fast are very, uh, you know, very tricky for him to sort of go half okay in his first outing is, you know, probably good signs for him in the future. But, uh, but yeah, look, um, I think Fujitsu, it's, it's, it's great to be, obviously, myself in V8 Supercar field. It's great to be affiliated with, obviously, the Fujitsu V8 Supercars because it's a great product. Hence the bit of a plug there for you, Jose. Hopefully that will swindle them. Uh, hopefully that will entertain the bosses to try and hook me up with the TV there, mate. Well, mate, up. you know, I just I was reading on uh, the Australian on last Tuesday, and it's uh, Tuesday is Computer Tuesday, and there's a lot of business stuff in there. There's always got this bit about appointments. And I look on the back and there's a picture of a good old mate of mine I knew for years, years and years of doing business with Apple Computer. And in fact, he actually became the boss of Apple Computer in Australia. Right. And he's now been appointed as the head of business and marketing for Panasonic in their plasma division. And the managing director, or the guy who was in that division, who's now been promoted to be the managing director, I also know very well, their also surname is the same as the dog, Rust. And Steve Rust, and he's the MD. And I thought these guys need a bit of a chat too, because we've a lot of you know of, uh, a lot of years of, 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 of doing things together. And I thought, yeah, we've got the full talent squad there. There's got to be some leverage. And I thought I'll go and have a quick look in at Panasonic Comau, um, and, and sure enough, on the front page it goes sponsorships, and then click on there. Who are we sponsoring? And we're doing um, you know the Toyota F1 team. And, and, and a few other things, and then there's down the bottom, it's got other sponsorships. Holden Racing Team. And I went, oh no! But then on the form, maybe we can get it a spot because there's a bit of a change of guard there, have a bit of a chat about next year. Interesting. Because, you know, I think that, um, that and I'm not bagging any of the, of the teams, but I think there's been a, a, a bit of the, a time for a bit of changing of the guard that. You know, they they take they get the product, they use it in their pit bay, um, and they put the stickers on the car or their fresh releases. But other than that, they don't really do a lot to leverage the sales. And, and I think we've got to come up with some unique and innovative ways about how you can differentiate yourself from another another team if you talk about stuff on how you're going to sell it. Because the two things I always say that race car drivers do mostly: not race cars and not win races. Yeah, well, um, interesting to see. Maybe, uh, maybe Fujitsu will have a run for their money with the Panasonic. Maybe so we like you, Jose, but we might not like you as much as we originally thought. Of that. No, I can't say that. Jose's a good mate. He's a good <laughs> Honestly, Jose was uh, behind some of my previous sort of doings in the VAU category. Fujitsu were good enough to come on board for a few rounds and and really support my efforts there in 2005, which hopefully I returned in good favour with some good podium results. I think I had a two seconds and a third there for the guys on the podium, which was really good to see. So, yeah, no, look, I... Hey, who knows when you can uh, swindle there, Johnny? Maybe, That's right. Maybe you can convert me from Fujitsu to Panasonic. Hey, like it's, it's been the Battle of the Bourbons and, um, <laughs> and the Battles of the Scotches or whatever, you know, the... Hey, there's a sales angle. 
Oh, mate, I tell you, like it, but there's, there's also the battle with the plasmas and the LCDs there, because just about everybody's got their, got their finger in there. So, uh, the action, the, the uh, Opus Prime Holden Commodore Racing Team may just have in the near future a uh, Panasonic plasma sitting there that could rival the best of the fidgety balls. Oh, you let's know? see what we can let's see. What we're arrange. All right, mate, it's been a great weekend, and uh, what's the next event? We head to Queensland, I think. Yep, Queensland Raceway in July. We've got round four of the Fujitsu V8 Supercar Series. Um, looking very much looking forward to that now, obviously, after such a great weekend of Winton. And um, not sure if you're aware of it, viewers, but Queensland Raceway being a previous test track of mine when I was uh, a driver for Paul Crookshank Racing. So I've done my fair share of miles there, which is... Always a good sign to, uh, you know, hopefully we have a good round there. Mate, you'll have to have a drive or something between now and then. That's almost two months away. Uh, the, the Ute's gone. The old, the, the old AU, the 2005 car's still there. And the, the, the CC car, you've still got that. I noticed you'd sold the one that, uh, that you'd um, leased out to Paul Morris for the BIMF. Um, but uh, the, the new owner only managed to do a lap and a half of it before it got severely mangled and it's back for a um, bit of a, a bit of a lick. Yeah, look, um, built the car and it, uh, built the second car in the Commodore Cup category and we debuted it at uh, Bathurst with uh, Paul Horace, which was it was good to see Paul in it. And he actually gave some great feedback for the category, which was, you know, it was rather, it was, it was good to hear because I, I, I believe myself personally that the Commodore Cup is a great feeder category to, to the Fujitsu series. But, um, but yeah, obviously Paul having a slight mishap on, on someone else's oil spillage but, you know, put an end to his weekend, but hey, like I said, you know, things happen in motorsport, and we managed to um, repair it all up, get it running, and um, got a gentleman from Darwin who's since moved to Baruga in rural Victoria by the name of Kieran McCormack. He's since purchased the uh, number 71 VS Commodore Cup car, and yeah, didn't have the best of runs at Phillip Island when he debuted. He uh, managed to complete a lap in the rain, and just put it down to inexperience, sort of lost traction and lost control and managed to hit a wall reasonably hard. So that's back at Dad's panel shop being actuated in the streets in Sunshine Melbourne and we're now repairing it for him for the next round. So uh, what are you going to get in between now and July, mate? Well, at the moment, I mean, I've got my Commodore Cup car there, so I might just do a... I think there's a national round coming up fairly soon somewhere, so I might sort of pop in and maybe have a national round in the Commodore Cup car and, and uh, who knows, since Black Betty's gone and sold, we might even uh, speak to Al and see what European adventures we may be able to wrangle up. What do you reckon, John? Mate, I reckon that's a good idea. Well, viewers, thanks again for listening and uh, we might even be able to get uh, JP away from your shopping centre openings in the South East to do a show on Wednesday night and uh, if he's listening, he might do a bit of research. See you later, Marcus. Thanks for having a chat. John, thank you very much, mate. And, uh, it was good to catch up this weekend. Glad the results were good. And I'll look forward to uh, gracing the viewers with my presence on the next Radio Hot Lab show. Good night, viewers. Good night, viewers. Cheers. <laughs> Oh, my God.